Cool. Well, shall we do this? Anything else we need to talk about before we jump in? Okay. <clears throat> it looks like baptism is in the Zoom meeting. Like Naomi's here, Philip's here, baptism is here. <laughs> baptism is here. We are going to talk about baptism, and I'm really excited about it because um, I think baptism is really awesome. So I, I got baptized when I was a one-year-old. And I remember conversations among my family, my brother and my parents about my brother being baptized. And they remembered the day that he got sprinkled baptized in a Lutheran church down in uh, Arlington, Texas. And I always wondered, like, what, what was the day that I got baptized? Like, I wanted to remember that actual date. You know, they know my brother's. And we never really talked about when mine was. And we were always kind of searching for this date. So we were looking through my grandma's uh, belongings. I think this is after she died. Uh, we were going through her stuff. And under the bed, she had a box of stuff, you know, like grandmas do, I guess. And, um, and one of the things was the pamphlet from the Sunday that I got baptized. And so I found out the date and quickly forgot it. But I did find out the day of when I got baptized first as a little infant. They sprinkled me and I made the church bulletin. That was cool, okay? But that didn't uh, actually, well, it didn't actually mean anything. So I don't know if you've been baptized or not. Um, that was probably a cute little service. They probably put me in like a little angelic white robe and did a little like thing by the little thing and, you know, all that. Maybe you've seen the video of the guy who's who has the baby by both legs and is... He's like flipping it around and dipping it and dunking it, flipping it and dunking it. Um, that also means nothing except for that baby is likely to be traumatized just from like, you did what to me, right? So this morning, we're going to talk about baptism. Uh, I, was, I was able to teach a lesson on baptism in a, in a class this weekend. And so I was going through the notes and I was like, man, this is what we need to spend time in high school with. And so... Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about baptism, what scripture says about it, but it's also timely because I know that a couple of you, a few of you uh, um, have either been baptized recently or you're going to be, be uh, baptized, you're going to be baptized soon. And I know that some of you need to get baptized. Some of you need to get baptized and you don't know it. And I'll tell you this, as I was looking through this, this made me want to get baptized again, bro. Okay, so I did get baptized. I got baptized as a baby, and then I got saved in high school. I was probably 16 years old, and immediately after that, I really had no, you know, context for where I go next. What do I do now? I got saved. Now what? Uh, but the people that were leadership in my life were saying baptism. I was like, whatever. My parents, they were plugging into the church, and they said, hey, we want to get baptized, um, and we want you to get baptized with us. I was like, I really I don't care, whatever. You just tell me where to go, whatever, it doesn't matter. So a guy who I knew, he was a, um, he became a family friend of ours. His name is Pastor Jay, and he stood up in front of the church on a Sunday, and they had their baptismal not on the stage, but up like in like the wall. Like, I don't know what that's called, but they had like a balcony behind the stage. What's that called? Mezzanine? What? It was a baptism, baptismal. There was a baptismal. And so uh, you, you had this big opening in the wall that you would never recognize unless they had the cameras up there and the screen 
showing. And so I was up there and they said something about me being a swimmer. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. They're like, he's a swimmer. He could swim in here. And, and then they dumped, dumped me. They dunked me. And then they took me up and I went home and ate lunch. The dove didn't, the dove didn't descend. It was kind of an anticlimactic moment. But I knew that it was something I was supposed to do. So maybe you feel similarly to how I did about baptism. Like, what is this? Why am I doing it? Is it required? What's the significance of getting baptized? Why do people do that? And I want to I wanna hope, uh, I want to answer that question, um, which is one of the key questions. What is the importance of baptism? And it, I think, is going to say, and the Lord's Supper in my life, but... We're not going to answer that question, okay? We're just going to answer the question, what is the importance of baptism in my life? What's the importance? What's the importance? And the key purpose this morning is going to be giving the Bible's clear and definite teaching on baptism, right? Not on both the ordinances. So what is the Bible, what does the Bible say about baptism? What is the significance? What is its purpose? What are we going to do with that? And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about what baptism is not and what baptism is. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for baptism. Lord, I am, I am very thankful that, that you gave us baptism and that we get, to, we get to, to observe that. And we get to see people get baptized. We get the opportunity, the privilege to be baptized, um, and that we get to just... We get to know you. We get to have intimate relationship and fellowship with you. And baptism is part of that. So God, uh, would you just help us? Would you work out any of the kinks, any of the questions that we may have regarding baptism and just help us to get a clear biblical understanding of it? And Lord, as people are supposed to be baptized, God, would you, would you make that clear? Would you lead in this time? Um, show us just exactly what moves we need to make um, regarding our walk with you and, and what things we need to do. And however we need to respond to you and your word, we want you to show us and uh, ask for your help in that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got about 45 minutes, and I'm going to use maybe all of it. So just brace yourselves. We're going to be here for a minute, <clears throat> but you guys are tough, and we can do it. So baptism, what baptism is not. Let me tell you what baptism isn't. Baptism is not a method of getting saved. A lot of people in your schools believe that baptism is, um, is them being saved. And so you'll ask a question about church. Hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, have you ever been saved? Do you know what it means to be saved? And a lot of times, probably 75% of the time, I would say, people will say, yes, I've been baptized before. That's the natural response. They think church, church experiences, and if they've gotten baptized, they say, yeah, I have a church experience, and they say, I've been baptized. But baptism is not a method of being saved. Baptism is also not required for salvation. In other words, baptism itself is not an act of saving you, but baptism itself is not an act leading up to salvation. Okay, so it doesn't save you, but it's not also, it's also not part of the steps of things you have to do, procedures you have to follow in order for you to earn your ticket to heaven. That's not how it works. And lastly, baptism is not for babies. Baptism is not for babies.
So let's talk about what baptism is. Baptism, it does picture and preach something biblically in your life. So let's look at a couple passages here. We're going to look at Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. They say, know ye not, Paul says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. Okay, we got to pause. What's that mean? Baptized into Jesus Christ. What experience is that? The moms are like, I know, moms, I know. Okay, hold on. What is that experience, being baptized into Jesus Christ? Salvation, right? Jesus, yes. That is salvation. When you're baptized into Jesus Christ, he says, know you not that when you were baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. You are in Christ. You're baptized into his death. You're baptized into his burial. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Why? Because Christ rose from the dead. And if you are baptized in him, if you are saved, you are in Christ. Well, he rose from the dead and you walk in newness of life. That life that he has when he conquered the grave, right? For if we have been planted together, we've been planted together like a seed in the ground, us in Christ, in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Don't you know you're free from your sin when you get saved? Don't you know that if you are, if you are in fact saved, you are in Christ, Christ died, and you left that old man in the grave, he no longer has the power over your decisions. You don't have to sin. I remember thinking, I'd been, I'd been saved, I'd been baptized, working through discipleship, and I still had this thought in my mind that it was inevitable. I have to sin because I'm human. That's not true. The reality is, if you are in fact in Christ, you're dead to your old man. And you get to walk away from that. You get to walk in the newness of life. You have the liberty from sin. You have the choice to sin or not. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6 explains it this way. This is familiar. This is the passage we've been in in class. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us or made alive, given us life, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see that? If you're in Christ, just look what Christ did. Died buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. You were in all of those steps. So baptism, this physical water baptism we're talking about, is a few things. We need to understand we are spiritually baptized in Christ at salvation. Baptism is a picture for the world to see what Christ did in us personally. Baptism is a picture for the world to see. It's a picture for the world to see what Christ did in us Personally, when you get dunked in the water and then taken out, 
people see that, and what they're seeing is what Christ did, was buried, rose again, and they're seeing what happened in your life personally. You're preaching the gospel, right? It is even, it is even more than that. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 10, 11 says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. If you have believed on Jesus Christ, there is no room for shame any longer. You get to be proud that you have put your life in Jesus' hands. So baptism is, number two, an opportunity for us to preach the message of the gospel to all who will come and see. You want people to know Jesus, and you get to share that with them if you get baptized, and you invite them to that baptism. You say, hey, this may be weird, but you're important to me. You're my friend. I'm going to get baptized on Sunday. Would you come and watch that? And you know what's going to happen? Not only will they hear a preacher explain the gospel, but they will get to see you show what Jesus did unashamed it's an opportunity to preach it's an opportunity to shed fear and shame regarding who we are in Christ you get to say I'm not worried what other people think about me I belong to Jesus it's an opportunity to make a final declaration in your life to show everyone you know that you belong to him and some of you need to do that some of you have been saved maybe you've been saved for a long time Maybe you've been in church since you were a little kid. Some of you need to let everybody know, I belong to Jesus, and I love him. He is my life. An illustration that comes to mind is, baptism is like, is like, it's like sports. Okay, now bear with me, all right? The, the girls are like, why, Jeff? Why? Philip just left. He literally, literally just left. Oh, there he is. Okay, okay, okay. He was like, sports? No. I was like, wait, Philip, you like sports? And hey, there's a person in his house. Oh, hi, Levi. Oh, okay. Yes. I was like, who's that giant person in his house? Oh, it's his baby son. Okay. Baptism is like sports. Now, hear me out, okay? In sports, okay, I won't get too technical or specific. In sports, you're out on the field. And what is the difference between all the people that are out there on the field? That was a good answer. That is one difference, likely. But what is the difference? When you look out on the field, what is the thing that you see that is different about various people out there on the field? Their sizes, yes. The teams, right? Depending, obviously, on which sport. But as you look out on the field, what do you see? You see two different teams, okay? So, so come here with me. All right, let's go there. All right. So you've got two teams out there on the field. How do you know which person is on which team? Like, what's a sport? What is this? Right, the, the, the colors of their jerseys. Okay, baptism is similar. It's like, it's like you've joined the team, 
Salvation is you're on the team. But you haven't put your jersey on yet. But what am I saying? If I just went on to the Boston Celtics uh, team, that's, a, that's an NBA basketball team. Um, and so anyways, if I just went up to this team and I said, hey, I'm on the Boston Celtics now. And if somehow they were like, cool, man, you're in. We're going to pay you like way more money than you'll ever make in your life. I'd be like, all right, cool. And then I went out on the court wearing this. Do you think they would pass me the ball? They know the deal. Yeah, they would. No, they wouldn't, right? Of course not. They'd be like, what? What is that guy? Like, what is he doing? Is that the water boy? Right? Is that the athletic trainer? They wouldn't know that I was on the team. Why? Because I haven't put my jersey on. Okay, you you are saved. That's great. I'm not going to take that from you. But nobody knows it. Nobody in your life, nobody in the church, nobody knows that you're in it with us, that you're joining the trenches, that you've laid your life down, you've related to Christ, you're all in. There's nothing that's going to hold you back. Nobody knows because you haven't put on that jersey. You haven't made that public declaration that says, I'm here, right? We have to do that just practically to know who's with us, who's not. I think it's really comforting to me. And this next section is, is my favorite section of this teaching about baptism. <clears throat> because we're going to talk about Jesus a lot now. So Jesus' example uh, is, is such that he's like our team captain. Okay, On sports, there's usually one guy or one gal who is the captain. She or he is the person that kind of leads the way. They're the, they're the morale leader they may be the strategist where they're telling people hey you got to do this different they're the one that's going to work the hardest they're the one that's going to do everything that's required to win the game now jesus is our team captain in that he leads in this baptism topic by example mark chapter 1 verse 9 through 12 came to pass in those days that jesus came from nazareth nazareth of galilee and was baptized of john and jordan so he rolls up and he's baptized Now watch this. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. So we we see Jesus coming in and getting dunked before he dives into his ministry. He's not done a whole bunch of ministry and then he's like, all right, guess I better get baptized now. Right. It's before this. It's before he starts leading the team, really. Right. But something peculiar happens at his baptism that is a picture for us. What is it? Well, he's told by God, the father, that he's the son of God. Came a voice from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Did Jesus not know that? Was Jesus at that moment like, I'm God's son? What? No, of course not. Well, what is it? Why did God have to do that? Why did God do that? Why did Jesus hear that? Well, because it was a display before all the people that Jesus had been baptized in front of, identifying him as the son of God. That was the moment where the people who were at his baptism, they saw that. They were like, that's different. He's different. That's significant. There's something there. 
And it's the same for our baptism. They may not, the people in the church, the people who are in our church right now, the people that you invite to your baptism, they're going to see that and they're going to be like, I don't know what's happening right now. But they got baptized and that's significant. The lost world knows that baptism is, is significant. You know why? Because like I said, when you ask them, hey, do, do you go to church? Have you, have you been saved? They say, yeah, I've been baptized. They know there's something there. Baptism is about identification. Key point. Baptism is about identification for us. It is about proclaiming what God did and who God made you to be. It doesn't do anything for you in terms of your salvation, but it does a whole lot for us and the people that get to see it in terms of our identification. They know there's something different. Something there. So, we're at our midway point here. I want to I pause and ask you the question. Number one, what team are you on? Are you on Team Jesus? And I don't mean to be trivial and like silly about it. Are you on Team Jesus? There's no other team that you would want to be on. Like in, in sports, you know, there's this like, there's this thing where all the superstars team up. In the NBA, it's personally, in my opinion, it's garbage. But so all these, like, all the all-stars, all the best guys in the league, they join up on the same team. They're like, hey, I got an idea. Let's make this as easy as possible so we can win and make a lot of money. I'm like, okay. So they join up on a team, and they beat everybody. Okay, what team do you want to be on? If you're being humble and reasonable, that one, Right? You want to be on that team. That's like Jesus' team. He's going to win. He's going to carry the team. He's going to carry the load. He's going to put you in the right spot where you need to be. Some of you need to join that team. You've not been saved from your sin. You've not given your life to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Some of you have been saved, and you have not let it be known that you are on that team. You've not, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I love you. I want you around. The counselors, we enjoy having you in here. Every single person in this enjoy being with you. But some of you, we don't know. Like, what team are you on? You on our team? Can I ask you to, like, carry some water with us? Can I ask you to haul the water? Can I ask you about, like, being on a certain ministry team in in this class or in the church? I don't know, right? Here's a key consideration as you work through that question yourself. The reality is we must get baptized. You have to get baptized. And I think if someone told me that, I'd be like, what? What? I don't get baptized. What? I don't want people to tell me what to do because I'm proud and I'm immature, right? And maybe you feel that same way. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, whatever, okay, I'll get baptized. Maybe some of you are going to come up to me afterwards and be like, hey, will you baptize me today? I'm like, no, you have to sign up. Come on, man. 
But I want to work through this idea that you must get baptized. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus gives us a very, very, very um, popular commission. It's, it's called the Great Commission. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, including baptism. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So, Jesus is here in this moment with his disciples. They've come through a lot of life and ministry together. Jesus is shortly thereafter going to ascend up into heaven. And he tells his team and the team huddle. He says, all right, listen, here's the play. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And part of that play is you need to go baptize people. And you need to tell people about all the things I've told you including that they need to baptize people. People need to get baptized. That's part of the play. So he's commissioning the church. He's getting them focused. He's getting the church launched. He's getting it set up. And he mentions baptism. But we do see the early church obeying this instruction. We're going to look, we could look at some examples of the early church getting baptized. People get saved and they get baptized. You've got um, some instances where the, the disciples, the apostles, they see this guy get saved and they command him to get baptized. And he does, right? But I would submit to you that baptism, as we've kind of already talked about, is so much more than just something we have to do in our Christian life. It's so much more than just the first step of obedience. It's not just a step of obedience. It's a privilege. And let me build the case for that. Here's a key insight. Jesus tells us to get baptized, but here's an insight. Good leadership only asks followers to do things that the leadership is willing to do themselves. So Bible study leaders, juniors and seniors. Good leadership only asks followers to do things that the leadership is willing to do themselves. Furthermore, another key insight is God's leadership allows his followers to be obedient to things that have great significance, greater significance than self-fulfillment. In other words, Jesus isn't going to tell you to do something that he hasn't done or isn't willing to do himself. But he's also going to tell you to do things that are more significant than just do what I say. Now, sometimes he tells you to just do what I say. And we do that. Why? Because he's the Lord. Because he's God. But many times he tells us to do things that have way bigger significance than that. So the Bible has high expectations for believers, doesn't it? It wants you to get out. God wants you to get out of your comfort zone, doesn't he? He wants you to do things that make you feel really awkward, like evangelism, the work of evangelism, like submitting. He wants you to submit. Ooh. <clears throat> Those are things that are like, no, I just want to go to another church where they play games. Like, get me up out of here. Right? I'm with you. I am. There's a lot of times where I just want to play games, man. Let's not do the uncomfortable stuff. But Jesus calls us to do the uncomfortable stuff. I want to take some time to look at these things. Just a few of them. One thing is that we are called to work and provide for our own. And if you need the slides, I apologize. I'm going so fast. I'll get to you. Uh, we can make those accessible for you. But he tells us to, to work and to provide for our own. He says you need to work. 
Vain man provide not for his own, he is worse than an infidel. But don't you know that Jesus worked? Beyond his ministry, right, which his ministry was obviously work. Mark chapter 6, verse 3 says, the Pharisees are just talking about him. They say, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Hey, Jesus had siblings. And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Wait. How did they identify him? Well, as a carpenter. Why? Why would they do that? That seems weird. That's because he was a carpenter. The man worked with his hands. Jesus, in terms of like lifestyle, was probably most similar to Kendall, the man's man. I, if it wasn't so awkward, I would say, Kendall, you flex your forearm. And we would see that he's got big manly forearms because he swings a hammer. Right? He rips roofs off. He puts big bundles of loads of construction stuff. Jesus worked hard. He was a carpenter. And I'm fairly certain that being a carpenter at that time was a little more physically taxing than it would be today. I don't know that for a fact, but I would imagine it to be so. Right? He says work. Well, he can tell you to do that. Why? Because he worked. You know what else he tells us to do? This one just, this one just sucks. We're called to pay taxes. <clears throat> this is a little bit unrelated, but I just got summoned for jury duty for the first time in my life. I'm pretty pumped. It might be, it might be about like someone who didn't pay their taxes or something like, like I got the answer. I know it. But these different leadership thing in the government, like the taxes and you've got to, I mean, just all, like I'm like probably anti-political. Like I kind of just want to like, I think in my heart of hearts, I want to take my family and live out in the middle of the woods all by myself and just be out there, right? Like maybe that's my retirement. Like, I want to live in a place where I don't owe the government anything. And the government isn't trying to, like, anyway. So, but Jesus, he says, chill, bro. And I'm like, okay. He says in Luke chapter 20, verse 25 and 26, he says, And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. What is it? They're trying to trap him. They're trying to get him to think about living off on his own in, a, in the woods, not paying taxes to anybody. But he's like, no. Whose face is on the coin? It was Caesar's. Give Caesar what he deserves. Right? Pay your taxes. Let's continue looking at this authority submission idea. Jesus submitted to authority. He submits to the Father in Luke chapter 22, verse 41 to 42. I reference this verse a lot. Uh, at least it seems that way for me because, because Jesus in this moment surrenders um, ultimately. He surrendered his entire will. He had no reservations. He had no amendments or exceptions built into this prayer. He lets it, he, he lets it all go. In Luke 22, 41 and 42, it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, 
Remove this cup from me. He knows that in a matter of moments, he's going to surrender his life. He's going to be cruelly and brutally mocked, beaten, body destroyed. He knows what's going to happen. And he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm not holding on to anything here. Not my will, but thine be done. Do the work of an evangelist? You want me to go to a mall? No. No, I'm not going to look silly in front of these people that I don't know. No. Join a Bible study? Submit to my peers? No. <laughs> that would, No, we don't do that. <laughs> no, that doesn't fit my image and my ego and things. My, that doesn't fit my schedule. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be accountable. I'm not going to submit to people. I'm not going to do this thing where I make myself uncomfortable. No, thanks. I'm going to go play games. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do my schoolwork. I'm going to spend time with my family. I, I appreciate it, but no. I know the Bible says to do those things, but Jesus says submit. And he says, and I earned that right to tell you that because I surrendered all. I submitted to the Father. I gave my life. What's your, what's your excuse again? What do you got? And he doesn't throw it in your face like that. That was probably me and my carnality. He says, submit. I did it. You can do it. Right? But he also submits to the earthly leadership that is responsible ultimately for his death. This is significant. He doesn't just submit to a loving father who has a plan and a purpose behind his instructions. He submits to these cruel, despicable people that we would be part of, that we are part of, who brutalized him. It says in Luke twenty-two sixty-six through 23, verse 2, it says, And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together. Hey, that's us. We're like the religious people. And led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. They're like, tell us if you're the Christ. He's like, I mean, what do you want from me? Hereafter, Shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God? Then they, then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard it of his own mouth. They recognized then and there, if they hadn't before, it's likely that they did, this is the Son of God. It's either his lordship or ours. They said, what else do we need? We heard it from his mouth. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus just told his disciples to do what unto Caesar? Pay taxes. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Hey, you, you guys, pay your taxes. That's what we do. And now these guys who have rallied around, they've counseled together, and they're going to crucify him. They say, he, he just said he's the son of God, and he told them not to pay taxes. Wait, what? 
all kinds of lies, all kinds of filthy accusations, right? And what did Jesus do? Did he go super saiyan? Did he call in his angels? He's like, all right, beep, 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 beep. And the angels fly in and drop bombs and blow these guys up. And he walks out like with a little bit of a, you know what I mean? And he ascends, he ascends into heaven. He's like, next time, guys, not going to happen this time. And then he flies in all of his glory up into heaven. No, what does he do? What does he do? He goes before Pilate. And he does this little runaround thing with Pilate as well. And Pilate knows that he's innocent. And ultimately, what does Pilate do? He gives it to the people. And what do they say? They say, crucify him. They say, we don't want this dude. We want Jesus. We want him dead on the cross. And what do they do? They beat him. They whip him. And what does Jesus do? He lets them. He humbles himself. He submits to them. Jeff's telling me I got to join a Bible study. Just saying I should consider mentorship. Don't want to do that. He also calls us to show kindness when people despise us. And, and he can tell us to do that because he did that. And Luke chapter 23, verse 33 through 34 says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one of the right hand, one on the right hand, and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. I mean, he's up on the cross. They just whooped him. Not just whipped him and beat him. They whooped him. They just whooped his butt. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like when you see that fight at a school, like a lot of them, they're just like, like they have no clue how to fight, you know? But then every once in a while you see the kids who know how to fight and they're like drawing blood and they, the kids like knocked out in the cafeteria. Like he got whooped, right? Jesus let them do that to him. And what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Well, you know, my family's not going to like me if I say I'm a believer. Okay, that's serious. That's significant. It's a big deal. My family's going to be mad at me if I spend all my time at the church. I feel that. I know. It's hard. My friends are going to think I'm a weirdo if I'm always talking about Jesus. They might not want to be my friends anymore. Yeah. You know what you can do? You can be kind when they say sharp things. You can be kind. I had a girl, one of my students... And she was virtual the whole time. And then she came into my classroom for the first time this a couple months ago. She walked in. I said, hey, what's up? You know, I'm like being silly. She's a freshman, so she thinks she's cooler than she is. So I'm like trying to be silly. I'm like, bro, what's up? And she's like, I hate everything that you are. I said, okay. <laughs> Sounds like you got some daddy issues. Like, I don't know what's going on here, right? Which I probably should not have said because to find out she doesn't have daddy issues i think it's mom issues but regardless 
I mean, welcome to welcome to the club, right? But she came in and immediately said, I hate everything that you are. And since then has said a, a whole list of things that she just really doesn't like about me. And in my flesh, you know what I want to do? I kind of just want to ignore her. You guys are like, he wants to whoop her. No. No. Quit it. Yeah, that is it. I do. I want to whoop her. No, no. What I want to do is I just want to say, I don't have time for this. There's a, handful, a couple handfuls of other students in here. I'm not going to worry about her. But you know what? You know what God in me does? The spirit of God? You know what he wants to do? He wants to show kindness. He wants, to, he wants to know what's going on in her life. He wants to come alongside her and show that he cares about her. So you know what he leads me to do? My flesh is like, dude, just ignore her. God's like, no, what do you mean? Go love her. I'm like, okay. He's like, he's drawing me over. I'm like, I don't want to. And then I'm over there. I'm like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Right? Don't you know that God through you wants to be kind to people who are rude to you? And don't you know that you can do that if you'll just die to your flesh? We are also called to lay our lives down for our loved ones. Jesus did this in Luke chapter 23, verse 44 to 45. It says, and it was about the sixth hour and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Jesus physically, literally died for you and for me. He died for you. Do you know that this morning? He gave up his, his life, his one life that he was given. He gave it up for you. And he tells us to do the same. So husbands, this is to me and to you. Ephesians 5, 25 to 26 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. I truly believe that Kylie is is in the, in the top 1% of easiest women to lay my life down for, or for anyone to lay their life down for. I believe that. She is, she is godly. She's respectful. She's lovely. She's kind to me. She's honest. I mean, she is, she is the model of wife in my estimation. And I'm not just saying that because she's here and because I know she's going to feed me lunch and all that. Like, I really believe that about her. It's easy for me to lay my life down for her. But me as the bride of Christ, I know that I'm not easy for Jesus to lay his life down for. Like if she had all of my personality and all my quirks and stuff, I'd be like, bro, I don't know about all this. Like, maybe not, you know, maybe not. But you know what Jesus said? He looked at me. He looked at me square in the eyes, figuratively. And he said, my life is for you. Because I love you. And he says, now lay your life down for your bride. Lay your life down for the church. Right? 
He also says in John 15, verse 12 through 13, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We are called to lay our lives down for one another. Don't you know you can lay your life down to serve one another? And don't you know that that's the best thing ever? That you get more gratification and satisfaction from that than you, you ever will from playing a game or participating in this activity or doing this other thing or this hobby or whatever. You're never going to get the satisfaction that, from that that you will from just saying, Lord, here's my life. What do you want me to do with it? It's yours. How can I serve the body? Our baptism is relating and identifying with him. Think about it. You likely won't get whipped and beaten. Right? But you can relate to him. You probably won't die. Maybe for Christ. I mean, likely you won't. But you can relate to that. How? Being dunked in his death, right? And raised in newness of life. You probably won't be able to lay your life down physically, actually giving your life for your friends. Maybe, again, maybe. But you can relate to the man who did. You can identify with him. You can say, hey, I'm with you. Hey, I'm on your team. Your key point is this. We are privileged. It really is a privilege and honor to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection through our baptism. To be able to say to the church, your friends and family, I'm with the guy who did that. The guy who laid his life down, who loves people, who was obedient, who was righteous, who never sinned, all of these things. I'm with him. I belong to him. So that you can roll into your school. Jesus is, for whatever reason in my mind, he's walking like this. Like, he's got it. And you're just walking like he is. You're like, I'm with him. I'm with Jesus, right? You got your Bible. You're walking to your life. I'm with him. Yep. And you know, people will be like, who is that guy? carrying this Bible. Are you kidding me? Like, why is he so extra? Well, because I'm with him. Do you know him? Do you know him? I mean, you must not know him. Because he gave everything. So I just want you to know I'm with him. Right? Your baptism can be the start of that. The baptism can be you putting your jersey on. The baptism can be you letting the people in your life know, hey, this is what I'm about. This is where I'm going. This is how it is. Who wouldn't want to identify with such an honorable and a humble and a mighty God man as Jesus? But baptism is much more than just a means for church membership. Okay, when you get baptized, technically, that means we're like making you a church member. Okay, cool. That's great. It's much more than just a box for you to check off in your walk with God. For me, that's kind of what I was doing. I was like, I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to do it. It's much more than that. Much more than that. It's a gift that God gives us. A tool for expressing our thankfulness to Him and our love 
and our outwardly identification with him. So this morning I'm about to pray, but I want to just, I want to put this question out again. Have you given your life to that man, Jesus Christ? The God man, God in the flesh who died for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. Was on earth for about 40 days. Was seen of a group of about 500 at one time. That's half your school. It's a historical fact that he rose from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven where he's sitting right now at the right hand of God the Father. Have you given your life to him? And if not, there is nothing more pressing and important this morning than that. And further, have you identified with him after salvation? Have you been baptized? Have you shown our church, hey, I'm on this team. I belong to Jesus. Have you told your family, your friends, through baptism, I'm all in? And maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you were baptized when you were 10. When you're 12, when you're 6, when you're whatever. Maybe the Lord is like, you need to get baptized again. And you're like, but wait, what? I don't know. When I told Sam, uh, so I told Sam recently, I said, man, walking through this baptism stuff makes me want to get baptized again. He's like, I'll baptize you. And he was dead serious. I was like, wait, really? What? Should I? Lord, what are we doing here? <laughs> Maybe you need to get baptized. I don't know. All I know is I want to. Man, I want to. I want to get baptized every week. Don't you? Like, it's summer too? I just go to the pool. Every time I'm like, cannonball I'm in, I'm like, I'll do the can opener. I'm like, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just, whew. right? In all seriousness, if you need to get baptized, we need to have that conversation because that is, that is a command for you. You need to be baptized. And I don't know who of you needs to, but, uh, but we would love to walk through that with you. Okay? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for baptism. God, in the ways that I uh, maybe miscommunicated or misconstrued things or was just um, unclear, God, would you just remove those out of you know the space that occupies um, space for for your word to plant to 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 be seeded into our hearts to be grown into fruit uh, to to be grown into obedience. God, would you just remove my stumbling and make your word crystal clear in our minds and in our hearts right now? Help us to just pause to be still. And just listen, be ready to respond to how you want to move, whether that's baptism, salvation, whatever. That you are worthy to tell us and lead us whatever you want. You are worthy and no one else is. God, it's a privilege to belong to you. I'm so thankful to belong to you. That you purchased me, that you purchased my life. God, we love you, and we want you to lead us. And as we go into worship service, God, would you capture our hearts? Would you, would you call us to, to praise, to greater levels of praise and worship? 
to give more of ourselves, more of our heart to you, more of our actions, more of our life. God, get more of us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.